Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, guys. Welcome back to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. Um, a different one today. I have my first female guest on, uh, Irish big wave surfing legend, uh, Eski Britain. Eski, thank you very much for, uh, for coming on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Sandy. Yeah, uh, great to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. We were just saying before I hit record, like, I, I didn't really, I haven't really meant to kind of just have men on so far, but I, I put some feelers out the other day on the Instagram and said, who should I have on next? And a few people came back and said, get a, get a girl on, get a woman on, let's get, you know, a bit of different perspective. Nice. I've, I've kind of realized doing the podcast that it's about men's mental health, but also there's a, there's a much larger conversation that can be, can be had as well. So it's, it's really awesome that, um, that, that, you're, uh, that you're here today. Um, so, I mean, you know, we've never met. I won't lie, I watched, I watched your TED talk this morning um, and it was brilliant. It was absolutely <laughs> brilliant. But, um, but tell, tell me and, and the listeners a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, uh, you know, how, how you got into surfing and, and what you do now. Yeah, um, I'm a bit of a, what's the word, hybrid, I suppose. I'm, I'm a lot of different things, but everything I do revolves around the ocean. Um, so that's, that's my number one passion and bias. And I very much like design my life uh, to the point where we had to reschedule this call many times because of swell and tides and <laughs> all right. of that. And that's, that, that's just been my way of life since the beginning. So I grew up on the west coast of Ireland in Donegal and was born into surfing parents so surfing is very much part of my family history and lineage which is quite unusual I mean it's sort of typical if you've grown up in maybe Australia or Hawaii but yeah. in Ireland um, surfing was a bit later to catch on and then you have the cold water and mm. so really I grew up with that kind of sense of surfing being you know the pioneering stories of surfing in Ireland with uh, my dad and his his brothers uh, were some of the first to start surfing and certainly the first in the northwestern region awesome. um, uh, and then my mum surfed all through her teenage years after she lost her mum when she was really young just before she became I suppose maybe she was 11 or 12 um, and they used to always holiday down by the beach that actually I then learned to surf on um, and she's definitely credits surfing with what the thing that got her through those really kind of tough transition years, you know, without a mum and yeah. a place to deal with your, I suppose, go to escape from whatever's going on on land and, yeah, yeah. and sort of um, wash away or, or cope with um, that sense of grief as well. And so just the reason why I just kind of say all that is that it's very much informed I suppose the work that I do today, interestingly enough, has kind of gone full circle and it's looking at the work, I mean, in terms of research and academia and the science behind that sea connection and the impact of it on our mental health in particular. Mm. Um, so it was interesting that that was already a thing, you know, that intuitively my parents knew to go to the sea and they'd feel better. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's a strange, like, no matter what you do, I mean, you know, even, even my mum, you know, she lives by the sea in the top, on, on the highlands of Scotland and she doesn't go in the sea or anything like that. But even just going for a walk along the beach and hearing the sea, you know, said it's her favourite sound. So I think, I think for us as humans, there, a, lot of, a lot of us especially do have this kind of call, call to the ocean that we can't quite explain. Yeah, so... And I greatly appreciate it that it's a huge part of our family dynamic and growing up and going on surf trips with my dad and we still surf together. So there's that really lovely connection um, that we, you know, I think our relationship thrives because of it. And we're just as as mad and passionate about it, <laughs> you know, as each other. And it's so that's that's a really lovely connection to share, too. Um, 
Yeah, and then just the, the the appreciation for growing up in a family that understands a life that's informed and shaped by and around things like tides and weather patterns and <laughs> very flexible schedules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I recently I recently realised that like you know the first the first website I check every morning is Wing Guru to see what the wind. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Recently, I was like, I'm not sure. You know, if I tried to explain this website to other people, I'm not sure they quite understand that that's the first thing I check every morning, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can completely relate, which is kind of, it's, that's a challenge, isn't it, in a society today that really is, you know, it follows a, I suppose, a very unnatural time. Like it doesn't really move with any kind of natural cycle at all in, in our sort of nine to five world that is now actually being uh, radically altered, interestingly enough. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, there's the way we're kind of, society is sort of designed so that we conform to this kind of almost uh, illusion of, of what time is and that we're almost become slave to it with everyone saying, oh, they're they're so busy and um everything is yeah it's almost that we're trying to almost control um our day which is influenced by all these sort of natural cycles and rhythms that we've tried to separate ourselves from um and i think that has a has a huge consequence as well and it's yes yeah, so it was always a real juggling act when i'm <laughs> in at university trying to schedule meetings um and, and predict you know the swell forecast and and the tide tables are always out as you say yeah, yeah. No, I think, I, I, you know, I'll say, yeah, for me as well, like my, I, it's, it's pretty much the only thing that I'll literally just drop anything else for, you know, and it's, it's a really strange thing. And I was, weirdly, I was listening to another podcast recently and he was, they were kind of talking about how you do have this almost other, not otherworldly, that's the wrong thing, but you, you have this higher connection to the natural world because you rely on it so much for something that you love. It's not like... Mm -hmm. There is a certain extent of, you know, people that play, you know, golf and tennis. They, they hope it's going to be a sunny day, but they don't, they're not relying on it being, you know, beautiful, or, you know, perfect, you know, whether it's wind, waves, you know, the tides and stuff. So you, you, we have that kind of strange connection to, well, in this case, the ocean that a lot of other, well, most other sports just don't have. Um, yeah. It, it yeah. Almost, well, it's, it's not, it's transcended a sport, isn't it? It ends up becoming a lifestyle. Um, oh, know. completely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely um it's yeah so it's i mean that's very much the pull uh in my life is that fascination with why are we drawn to something like the ocean and it's a place that sort of evokes such powerful emotion and memory you know for for me obviously it's it's a huge source of it's what grounds me it's my self-connection it's it's where i go to sort of feel like whole like i'm, I'm back in myself and in my body but for other people it's also i reckon it's a place of, of fear and danger and risk and it's it's all of those things as well um but that's probably part of the appeal too isn't it because it's an environment that is beyond our control and it reminds us <laughs> as humans yeah. that we are interdependent and we're not the overlords and you know a wave will quickly tell you that and when it smacks you down you start to get a bit cocky um <laughs> in the surf yeah so it's yeah it's, it is about being in relationship with this real force of well force of nature um that's much greater than you and and so that opens up as you say a lot of a lot of uh, interesting feelings <laughs> definitely you know like i you know i think a certain level of you know i certainly remembering back to my days of like for, for me as we were saying before for me it's uh, you know I'm, I'm now getting more into surfing as i'm getting older but um 
for me, the last 10 years or something, it's been windsurfing has been my main thing. But I remember kind of learning and every, you know, every session I go out, I felt like I was conquering a little fear, you know, whether it yeah. was, you know, putting my foot, my back foot in the foot strap or learning to water start or my first few times going out in waves and things or, you know, trying a new, a new move and things. So, but each of those, I remember incremental little things. I, I wasn't, you know, you're not just overcoming a fear. You're also getting better at something. So you, you kind of kill two, I feel like you kill two birds with one stone with something like this. Cause you're, you're yeah, you're, you're overcoming it. I can't think of another way to say it, but you're, you're overcoming this barrier and you've also come in and gone, Fuck yeah, I did that. But also I learned something new. So you, you get this yeah. immense satisfaction from it that, you know, again, these other sports, lifestyles, things like that, where there isn't necessarily that, that kind of element of fear. Um, I think you, you, that, that brings a whole new level of satisfaction. Mm, it's such an important point, isn't it? I mean, the, so the research world I kind of been in, I've been in academia for the last 10 years and I did it for quite, quite a while um, alongside my competitive career as a surfer as well through my twenties. And, and the last five years, it's really focused on, I was trying to flip that narrative of a relationship with the ocean that's usually framed really negatively in terms of the impact and harm our actions have on it and then how dangerous it is. And, um, and then the impact of like pollution on our health. And so instead I've been looking at ocean and human health in the context of what are the benefits of a healthy ocean for our health and well-being, and in particular the more therapeutic and restorative aspects yeah. and tracking and working with organizations who are tapping into that sort of in the form of what's called was ocean therapy, you know, like surf therapy in particular yeah. is, is really on the rise. And that's super exciting to see, you know, in the UK, you have the NHS partnering with the likes of, you know, the wave project and that. that's brilliant. Um, mental health NGOs and, you know, yeah, as a way of that, it was a form of social prescribing, which we can talk about a bit more. Um, so I'm always really intrigued to unpack like, well, then what is it about the sea and what is it in particular about surfing that does seem to have this huge, you know, psychological benefit in particular. And I think a lot of it, it like a big part of it is also the fact that it does put us out of our comfort zone. Um, there is that element of challenge of, of having to move through fear, um, which is so key, isn't it? In a, in a society that's uh, become incredibly risk averse. Uh, yeah. and even more so now <laughs> to counter that you know that it's exactly. actually not a negative yeah 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 it, it, exactly yeah you know everything these days you know you, you there is a certain sense of the minute you step out your front door there's 10 risk assessments in front of you and you've got to be wrapped in bubble wrap and sign five ways <laughs> do anything but there there is that certain level of you kind of just you know you go for a surf lesson you kind of just you grab a board and you go you know i see where where i used to live before there was um you know, a surf, a surf school that did a lot of stuff. I think with the wave project with like inner city kids and they used to do it literally. I, I had a, I lived on the seafront and used to see them on these kids literally just throw themselves onto, into the sea and stuff. And it's, you, you just don't see, you don't see that that much anymore. Um, and I think it's, I think, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really great point that it, you know, it's potentially one of the last, the last places where you can really just sort of throw yourself into something that you might not be, a, might, probably shouldn't be doing. Um, but I think there's, that's that's a positive. Yeah, it's, it really is, and we've seen like in particular with, let's say, surf therapy programs with kids and and youth, or even just get your kids going surfing and having a regular surf lesson. It's um, it's that 
moment really when you kind of get you pushed off or you take off on a wave and you're completely alone like you're it's that a sense of absolute autonomy isn't it especially as as a kid I think it's really important to feel that and to you know and to fail like most of surfing it's it gets incredibly difficult to learn to stand up which is that you know the initial step is the hardest one um unlike most sports because you're you know there's so much going on and you're on this thing that's just like moving so fast that uh, you can't you can't slow it down there's no you know program to exactly. <laughs> can't program the wave or what it's going to do or offer you so it's yeah and it, so I actually think that's a really healthy thing you know learning those kinds of things off what you're capable of and that you can do it by yourself like it's that connection and relationship I suppose between you um your board and the wave and being able to work all of that out and um and even yeah even though the the classic wipeout moment you know and surfing that like learning to like a huge part of it is learning how to fall well <laughs> how to you know how to when you're getting your wipeout the best approach is actually to learn how to like relax and soften your body like the opposite to what you're initial instinct or reflex might be to try to fight it yeah. um but actually you learn then to go with it and move with the water and uh, you expend so much less energy and it yeah actually you come up feeling energized rather than exhausted exactly yeah yeah and then i mean for me as well and i think for a lot of people there's a these days there's there's a lack of kind of staying present in the in the kind of moment and with something mm. like it's not like you can, oh, I've, I've got a, someone's like my picture on Instagram or, you know, <laughs> what I'm doing tonight. You, 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 you have to be completely present in that moment. Um, and for me, that's one of the greatest things, you know, I can completely mm. get away from work, get away from a- anything, anything that's going on in my brain. Because when you're going across the water at whatever speed or when you're in the air or, you know, riding a wave, you can't really think about anything else, can you? no there it does demand that total presence in the moment almost like it's like an active form of mindfulness without you even realizing that that's what you're practicing <laughs> so for people who find sitting still and doing a mindfulness meditation difficult then you know, get yourself to the sea and you'll find that it just happens so much more easily it's natural um and there's loads of re- what i love about it is the sort of understanding okay, intuitively know the feeling, but then understanding, okay, the, the sort of, I have this sort of psychological response and I notice my mood's changing um, when I'm around water. But then physiologically, there's things happening as well. So it's just this amazing full body response. They're only just beginning to like understand. Um, and I said, well, we as in like the Western society <laughs> um, of, the, of the importance of it in our, in our lives. And yeah that that sense of yeah it's so important with that presence and and mindfulness aspect to it as well yeah i think so yeah because i think and and especially you know potentially for 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 kind of men as well for myself you know i think a lot of men are you know particularly not anti but you know a bit apprehensive when it comes to things like oh you know sit and meditate and be mindful and things like that whereas actually if you throw them a surfboard and throw them into a, a boiling sea and you say right go and try and catch a wave they're there's a bit more macho in that, isn't there? There's a bit more like, yeah, I'll give it a go. And actually, as you said, yeah, yeah. you're almost doing it without realizing. 
Yeah, it's so interesting because surfing seems like in those, you know, like and it's maybe windsurfing and that as well. But it seems like one of those, you know, it's framed as an action sport. It's seen as real like gung ho, you're the adventure. It's uh, even a lot of the language that's used is kind of very, I suppose that sort of more hyper masculine of like rip, shred, tear, attack the yeah, wave. Yeah. You know, if you're ever listening to commentators online with, this, uh, you know, the online surf contest. Yeah. When in actual fact, in teaching it, it's much more about, you know, I find the difference, say, between teaching adults and kids. And so kids are just much more intuitive and in their bodies anyways. So yeah. they're, they're better able to feel it, it and go with the feeling. And then adults, we, because we've been, this is how we've been taught and educated, we're almost disconnected from our bodies and really stuck in our heads. Yeah. And I find part of the learning process is how do you drop from the head into the body, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so with surfing, initially when you're teaching it, you know, like adults really want to know the steps, like, okay, the technique, you know, one, two, three, yeah. what's the mechanics of it, the how to, when an actual fact, um, it's really about how you switch that part of the brain off, you know, um, and let go over analyzing, let go trying to, you know, for break it down into its parts and actually go with the feeling, the sensations, the thing with being in the sea is, um, it's so such a multi-sensory environment. So it's just stimulating all of your senses. And if you can begin to learn to be more, I suppose, consciously aware example and and um i suppose the the tactile feeling in our body or our bodies feel different in water then you become much more responsive to the wave and there go much better able to catch it to balance on your board and um so really a lot of the lessons are about having to sort of like let go any agenda <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, and sure. learn yeah learn to be present connect with the breath be in your body you know it's, so it's actually very um yeah, it's on. The, it's it is uh, again a mindfulness and action kind of approach, um, and it's also really humbling. I mean, it's amazing. Like you with the waves, um, I think that's a really important thing. You have that sense of, um, yeah, what's the way to put it? Um, and then there's something about the ocean because it's so vast and big, it can overwhelm us. And there's that feeling of feeling really small, but that's yeah. actually a good thing. I think so. <laughs> You know, in, 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 but because you feel really small, because you're connected to something that's so big, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think it stops you, you know, you can easily, people can easily view, you know, people often view it, view their life through a kind of tunnel, don't they? And they can easily view, oh, the meeting I've just had at work was really, really stressful. And it, it, it kind of consumes you and stuff. And then if you go for a surf and you look around at the ocean and what's happening and all this and, you know, whatever you, you kind of realize, actually, that's in the grand scheme of things, I'm not that big, and need, you know, that meeting was even smaller, or you know, whatever happens. So it, it kind of it downsizes a lot of the a lot of the problems in your, you know, in your brain. I mean, I've read, I read, I read a big kind of quote that mm. I've kind of lived by recently is you're you're never going to have a life without problems. All you can do is work to make your problems smaller, um, and I think that's really accurate because realistically, you're never going to have you know, even if you're a multi multi-millionaire with everything you want, you're still going to run out of ketchup one day. And that's a problem. You're still going to, you're still going to have to take the kids to school. You're still going to, you know, uh, mm -hmm. actually being able to go surfing and things that can make your problem smaller of a day. Cause you can look at it and realize, Oh, actually, you know, this potentially isn't as important as I thought it was, you know? Yeah. That's so such a, such an important point, isn't it? It's like that it allows for that perspective shift to happen. Something about the sea as well has that sense of 
expanse of the horizon being so wide open. And then when you're immersed in the sea, you know, whatever it is you're doing, even if you're swimming or um, you, you just, you have a different, literally your worldview changes because again, you're looking back at the land. And so you, you like literally have a different perspective on things, but I think it does translate then into how you, you know, how you go into your working day or, and, and things like that. Um, I'm also worried we're talking about this. We might have a mass exodus of people trying to get to the sea <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and to surf or to con- connect with water. Um, but the interesting thing is with a lot, you know, with the research I'm doing as well, it is, yeah, how do you find that kind of connection when you live, maybe when you don't have access to it or when you're living in an like, urban setting and you feel very far removed or very separated from it? Um, and so there's interesting work being done around, around that and kind of got spearheaded initially by Wallace J. Nichols, who you've probably heard of as a marine biologist who wrote this book called Blue Mind. Right. Um, about five years ago and since then it's kind of led to this whole kind of blue movement around water um, and blue health and blue spaces and so but blue mind is, is is simply looking at the I suppose the psychological effect or the effect of water on our brains when we're right. in on or near it um, and in my research too looking at like the studies so the the power of for example visualization if you've had an experience uh with water or even like from your childhood or there's a place that because it evokes such a powerful memory like revisiting that in your mind and trying and going through each of your senses uh, reimagining sort of the smells and the sounds and things like that um can actually um evoke this a really similar bodily response so it can calm your mood um reduce cortisol and stress in the body regulate your heart just by going there in your mind's eye and again the same if you're listening to sounds off the sea you know why it's so popular like the sound recordings of i was gonna say yeah, and, like, yeah, uh, yeah yeah so i mean it's not it's not a replacement i guess but it's just knowing that and even you know, having the visual like a photo or or watching um like that, that amazing documentary on netflix at the moment the octopus one oh, i've watched that, yeah. the name of it now yeah. no i yeah my octopus teacher yeah, my octopus teacher yeah so it's things like that are are actually beneficial too and and then what I would say as a way to sort of like take it away with you, if you do have the chance to any time that you are in a place like that in this, in this, you know, wonderful natural setting or I did, you know, by the sea or water is to take a moment to consciously tune into it. Yeah. Um, so even just a, yeah, even just a minute of, if, of, of, you know, basically tracking through your senses of taking in the visuals and the sound and the smells and the touch and the feel that then makes it more powerful when you go back to revisit that in your, you know, in your mind's eye or in a visualization when you're like lying down in bed after a, a hectic day trying to get to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think one of, for, for me, I mean, I, I, I mean, I started, the first time I ever stood up on a wave was, was 10 years ago, but I've only really started getting into surfing in the last couple of years. And actually one of my favorite bits of surfing is not even riding the waves. It's just sitting mm. in the lineup. And you sit in the lineup and you're with your friends and even if you're by yourself and it's just, it, it's, it's the nicest place to sit in the world, isn't it? No matter where, whichever lineup you're at. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can, you can speak to that. I mean, I've definitely, you know, never sat in, in lineups quite as hectic as the ones you've sat in. I mean, is that, is that something that translates to, 
you know, larger swell, bigger waves, more hectic conditions for you surfing. Do you still have that feeling of kind of peace when you're when you're in the lineup, even mm. at the level that you're at? Oh, I actually think that's where probably most of the magic happens. It's funny because you ride a wave, it's so intense and fleeting. Like it's it's over in a matter of seconds that it's probably only after the fact that the real sort of emotion hits you. And again, and it is an ideal example of, of when it all sort of aligns of that moment of flow, but it's actually the space in between the waves. And I write about this quite a bit in a, a book I have coming out in January uh, that unpacks this relationship a lot more with the, with the sea through kind of through the lens of surfing um, called Saltwater in the Blood. But when I was writing it, I was writing it, kind of t- unpacking that influence of the sea on my life and my relationship with it. I realized that that's such an important um, moment mm. that does it kind of goes undocumented. You know, all the, it's usually you know all the action is recorded, and then you get sort of missed that actually most of surfing is sitting on your board <laughs> waiting for a waiver. <laughs> yeah. um, and they're really important moments because it's kind of like it's, it's how you know, how you are in those moments, I guess, in between the waves determines the kind of experience on quality of the ride, like how present and how available you are for when a wave does come, which I think is a lovely analogy for, for life, right? If we're looking at the wave as this sort of potential unknown that's arrived, like either a challenge or um, an opportunity. Yeah. It's, it, it's how how I am like how I am in between the waves will really affect my my actual ride. Um, so I, I just think it's both a lovely moment to to process, but also just to let the mind wander. I, I get some of my best insights when I'm just there because it's a moment of sitting and waiting and yeah. not scrolling on a phone or being exactly. on a screen yeah. um, and, and noticing, you know, you just, um, because the, the ocean holds this amazing kind of sense of wonder and fascination. So it takes our mind to kind of good places yeah. um, and, and keeps us sort of in, in the present moment. Yeah. Um, so it's, I find that really interesting that, you know, the space between the waves. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really, really lovely analogy actually that it is kind of similar to life and you, if you're, yeah, if you're prepared, if you're prepared for the next opportunity or the next wave, but not even necessarily prepared. I found usually my best surfs I've ever had are the ones where I'm not taking it that seriously or not you know, where mm-hmm. I, you know, if I, if I sit there really focused and I'm like, Oh, I want to get better with this. And you, you feel your, yeah. you feel your yeah. fists start to clench and you feel you, you make silly mistakes and you know, all that. Whereas I feel the ones where I kind of go out and I, it's not that I don't necessarily care, but I'm just a lot more relaxed about it. And you're, as you said, I think that translates from the mind to the body, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And you're like, I, for me, it's like this, uh, yeah, you're so, tr- so true. This uh, idea of trying to like force um, an agenda onto a wave is like, yeah. it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's not <laughs> going to happen. Yeah. And the more attached I've been to an outcome, even when I was surfing competitively, whenever I was hung up on, the score I wanted to achieve in the next wave or that I was really, you know, caught on the result I wanted to get out of it. Um, it just would never work as well, never flow. And I just, it, I was like, I was almost blocking myself. So you're right. It's when you're, I kind of think of it as make, when you make yourself available to possibility. Yeah. So there's just that kind of like, oh, you're fully present, but like totally open to whatever it is that's going yeah. to arrive right because you, you don't you have no idea of, of predicting that or controlling it so you just but you have to just yeah 
it's this process of making yourself available uh, rather than like I find if you we block ourselves off from those experiences if we get too caught up in the the plan <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah. I mean, what was what what did you did you have this kind of mindset when you when you were competing I mean when 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 did you compete what sort of years were you were you doing that and did you did you have this mindset of that or were you a bit more gung-ho about things Oh, good question. Um, yeah, I've competed probably for most of my life. I started when I was about eight years old. <laughs> um, the national, junior national championships. Uh, but I was on the Irish team from the age of 12 and competed right up until, I suppose, my mid mid to late 20s. Um, so it's, you know, the last five, six years or so, I, I haven't been competing. But um, yeah, and I competed, you know, nationally in Europe and internationally um and it was kind of around yeah my mid-20s when I gravitated more towards big wave surfing almost as a way to like get away from the scene because it was kind of really fringe at the time and and not many people doing it and so it was like this we could kind of go out to a you know unknown edge and just do our thing for a while and and explore and experiment and yeah <laughs> make all kinds of mistakes and have all kinds of amazing experiences yeah. but the competing one was interesting because there was always that tension with being really drawn to surfing as this um thing that I just I can't live without you know it's it's my um spiritual connection it's my healing it's where I go to sort of feel well you know so there's that kind of real intimate connection with it um and then then the competition side of it is this it's very controlled constrained environment with the criteria and it seems yeah. totally at odds with the whole like philosophy behind or ethos around surfing is this you know sense of freedom and escapism and almost counterculture and you know the whole yeah the whole yeah anyways so it, it yeah I, I always find that a really difficult stance um I think what drove me was the opportunity to be able to travel, experience new people and places by yeah. going to, you know, competitions and uh, surfing new waves. And I think with something like surfing to just, it's, it's, you're constantly learning because no two waves are alike. Mm-hmm. So it was a way to sort of test that edge for myself personally, but the whole scene around it, I just, I really, yeah, I find challenging. <laughs> and eventually I, I just couldn't, um, yeah, it wasn't for me in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Why you found yourself potentially, you know, gravitating towards big wave surfing because that's big wave surfing is kind of almost considered like its own counterculture within surfing as well now, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting because I think sort of my best results are, are in wins. Yeah. You know, like this five times um, national champion, women's champion in Ireland and uh, won the British Pro Tour one year and third in Europe. And so I got, I got the results, but then, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I was never really lit up by it um, yeah. enough, I think. And I, I think my best results did come from when I actually probably cared less about the outcome. <laughs> so I thought, mm, well, maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe there's a way to create, you know, a, a different relationship with surfing. And I already was. I mean, I was, I was like traveling a lot more. I think the other thing was, as a woman in surfing, it was a bit different at the time. Thankfully, it's changing now. Yeah. But there was very limited opportunities if you wanted to make a career out of it. And so it seemed like being the competitive surfer was the only way to get sponsored. And yeah. um, even though the like the pay was absolutely rubbish at the time, but now 
since the World Surfing League this yeah. last year have announced pay parity and yeah. that's fantastic. But yeah, it wasn't wasn't like that in my day. <laughs> well, I mean, um, but the other the other way to make it as a pro surfer was this kind of um, free surfer idea. So you could go and travel, document uh, you know waves and the whole sort of that travel story and the whole experience of of surfing interesting places or different kinds of waves but that those stories are nearly entirely sort of male stories there was very few women that I that I saw at least in the media doing that and then I began to carve that out for myself um, when the UK launched their own women's my car as part of of Carve Surf Magazine, so oh, yeah. Surf Girl UK. It kind of happened around the time in my late teens, early twenties, and so that opened up the opportunity for me to start traveling, writing, and then documenting these these stories. And I enjoyed that way more. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> and I also, it also, you know, it, it created a lot more. I mean, it seemed to be, yeah. That, anyways, so that that continued to evolve for me. And the big wave surfing is interesting. Um, it's uh, it's changed so much, but I guess in Ireland around ten years ago, um, it was very early days, and part of the motivation was simply to go and see if we could access and find new waves that hadn't been ridden before, or that um, we could only access by jet ski, and um, to get away from like the crowds. Yeah. And- <laughs> Um, yeah, and then I just ended up into, I mean, where we are in Ireland, you're just positioned to take the full brunt of the Atlantic, so we get really big winter swells. Yeah. Um, and it was something about big wave surfing too, it was when I, what drew me to it, I suppose, was this sense of, it's so personal, it's really intimate, it's very much the about that relationship with you and the wave and and how you make yourself available or how present you are uh, on the day it's a real mental I suppose psychological kind of pursuit as well as obviously there's a a massive physical element but I find that's what really shifted my state of mind and my mental state and and my approach to I suppose training learning to train my mind as much as my body um that's where that really kicked into play and that's actually with the initial sort of struggles and challenges I had around big wave surfing and coping with the real tangible fear like fear of drowning and things like that uh, that I I turned to um mindfulness um as a as a tool to help I suppose build strength mentally yeah yeah I think it's it's become a lot more prevalent I mean I I follow the I follow the WSL pretty religiously like I'm not I'm not really one I don't watch football or anything like that so like watching the surfing is or whenever you know windsurfing and stuff but they're kind of my sports that I really enjoy watching and from what I've seen it, it mindfulness and all that stuff does seems to have really kind of penetrated you know even the top level of the sport and these guys they've all got kind of you know mental coaches and and all this stuff so it it does seem to be but I I guess yeah that stuff probably wasn't there kind of five even five ten years ago was it that sort of support network um what do you know do you think do you think that's just come in because generally as a society we're becoming a bit more accepting of of mental health or do you think these Mm. stuff really saw like oh my God, there's a real advantage here. If I can overcome, you know, my, my brain saying you're never going to surf Jaws or, you know, like that is, do you think, (laughs) do you think that's, do you think that's an actual advantage? Oh, that's a really good question. I think it's a bit of both, which is probably a really good thing, you know, so you have this really kind of, you know, 
top athletes um, at the, you know, the, the peak of their big wave surfing careers and the things they're doing now are absolutely like wow. mind blowing, you know, and you have the likes of, um, you know, I, I've kind of with the big wave surfing was a way to also at the time I had just started doing a PhD in the North coast in Ireland. I'd come home after a long time of traveling around the world. Um, and I find that that was a, it was almost part of this period of homecoming. I like really reconnecting with my own coastline and ocean and pushing all my limits to the edge both like you know uh, intellectually with academia but then also like physically and mentally with the big wave surfing it just happened at that time of my life around the early kind of 2010s right so that I think that's kind of interesting what was going on in the cosmos and in my own life cycle or whatever (laughs) to have that kind of energy then um and again, it's shifted now, maybe with the work I'm doing. Um, and my, I think I love that with the sea, this lifelong relationship that keeps evolving, almost like a human relationship would. And yeah. so now I think it's at this period of the last sort of maybe five years, it's really shifted into the more he- healing, restorative aspect of it. Like it's where I go to just, it's about play and, yeah. and creativity and, and more of that. And, and I think, you know, I'll come back around to wanting to go to that maybe extreme edge again with big wave surfing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have the likes of like Maya Guevara this year at um, one of the you know, biggest wave spots in the world in Portugal, Nazaré. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and she's a Brazilian pro surfer who um, surfed. I think it's an eighty-three foot, eighty-four foot wave. Uh, yeah can't even comprehend the size of that basically yeah. and it was it's a record-breaking wave so it's the biggest wave that a man or woman has ridden um, yeah. that this winter season from yeah, the 2019-2020 season um so it's it's kind of remarkable and and also it's a bit scary yeah <laughs> of like well where is the limit you know um, yeah. yeah uh so yeah there's such an, an intensity to that um i mean we, we, that's a whole other conversation isn't it about like the the human psyche and then what drives people to like is there then how do you feed that is there always yeah. a need to constantly be at, you know at that heightened state of it's a heightened state of arousal isn't it of yeah. needing that massive adrenaline kick and and to have it bigger and bigger and like go more and more extreme with it um which is fascinating because we're also expanding the limits of what we, we think is possible. But I'm also wondering, like, yeah, I don't know <laughs> what point, yeah, how what healthy point it is all the time, especially when there's such a, you know, it's under a, it's become a real spectacle as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, you know, it's Nazare's night known, known around the world now. I mean, I, I did my, I've done my, my jet ski, my PWC license and stuff. And the guy, mm. that, the guy that ran my course, he's, uh, he runs a safety team out at Nazare. And wow, he, and you know he, he, you know, and um, looking at you can just see there's there's something in his eyes that's just not in other people's eyes. You know, he just he's he's on a, a heightened level, and like you said, there is that sort of he needs to be at that heightened state. And he was, you know, every time minute we finish the course, he's like, right, let's go foiling, let's do this, we're gonna go do this, and there's just this level of yeah, it, I w- I wouldn't call it intensity because that's not the right word, but there's just a uh, you know a willingness to just go and throw himself off something that a lot of other people would be like oh, i'm not, I'm not sure about this <laughs> yeah. yeah 
Yeah, so it's definitely pretty, yeah, it can be pretty revealing. I mean, I find my, my experience of it, I've mostly sort of, um, Mullochmore would be the big red spot in, in closest to me in Ireland, um, yeah. and Aileen's at the Cliffs of Moher, and so it'd be the first um, woman to surf those waves. Yeah. Um, but it was just this amazing experience of how much like a wave can what's what's the way i bet guess it was really it could be really confronting like it completely reveals revealed my whole inner landscape like whatever it was i wasn't dealing with like if i yeah. wasn't in the right mindset or i had this emotional baggage that i'd taken with me into the water there was no getting away or hiding from it like it just would not work that day <laughs> so yeah. it was really like oh okay then you know but so it's a really powerful process it's um you know off, off, it can be quite transformative but also really uncomfortable but not obviously there's the physical too it can be really uncomfortable in the middle of winter freezing cold <laughs> hail rain like you're literally going into these storms that appear on you know the bbc weather warnings yeah. and telling people to stay away from the coast and then we're moving towards that um so yeah there's that kind of uncomfortable but the uncomfortable i also discovered was also was this inner inner stuff right i was like oh <laughs> i didn't realize that was there um and you know, and then the flip side is it's also this incredible experience of absolute kind of it's indescribable the kind of rush or euphoria as well. Um, it's it's mind blowing, but yeah, I find it quite interesting. There, it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like this the wave was like this mirror revealing the stuff I um, had didn't or hadn't seen or noticed about myself. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, you, you, it's one of those things, and they, you know, they say this, you don't really, you, it kind of reveals your true self, doesn't it? You, you know, it reveals who you, who you really are, because in that moment, it's kind of fight or flight, I guess, isn't it, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, fight or flight, or, I know there's, I was a freeze, fight, flight, but yeah, it, it's, and, and it's like, basically, the, the kind of the right action, when it all aligns, and you feel like totally self-connected, it's, it's obviously it's not it's none of those things is the response you kind of override them all <laughs> and it's just about this it's not freeze either but yeah, again yeah you're just really really present yeah. um so it's interesting yeah it's a powerful process of self-connection that's for sure <laughs> so on on a on a day like that obviously you know there's a huge amount of preparation and stuff but i mean you know is it i always find it I always wonder, like, is it something that you're actually looking forward to, you know, getting out there and doing this? Or is it is it kind of a thing of like, I'm, I'm excited for it and stuff, but you're also kind of excited for it to be done. And you've, are you more excited to complete <laughs> it or you're more excited to actually be out there when it's, you know, when you're, when you're surfing on a big day? Yeah, interesting question. And I wonder how it is for, because it's something that maybe doesn't get talked about as much. But there's, you know, because it's always often lots of buzz and hype and excitement that like exactly. that yeah, yeah. the hoorah, it's gonna, it's gonna be awesome, <laughs> yay, yeah. storm coming, and and but really, I think for most of us deep down, it's also a little bit of like oh shit, um, and you know, I, my tow partner was um, my cousin Neil, um, who, who runs a, a surf school in Donegal, but um, we teamed up together, so you know, with what we were doing then was mostly was tow, mostly tow and surfing. And, and right. then it's some of the days and breaks that's evolved to paddling and using the you know, paddle power with your arms. But um, yeah, so we, we worked together, you know, towing each other. And um, 
it was not kind of nice because we had that that family kind of bond anyway so we could just yeah. be a bit more real and honest with each other but there was plenty of mornings like or the night before you're all like looking at wind girl going to almost willing the way the wind to like swing so yeah. that i was unsure we can't go today damn it. <laughs> exactly. yeah. um, oh what a bummer um so no there was this excitement and anxiety i suppose as well anticipation and um and it, yeah, real mixed feelings. And I, I kind of found um, everyone copes with it in a different way. But for me, I had to really learn to work with that process of regulating, I suppose, my nervous system and those emotions in the run up to a big day. Yeah. Um, you know, to like, to actually you know, feel the excitement, but stay in a place of like, of being really in the now, like moment by moment. So not letting my mind run ahead to like the next day or what the swell might bring or do. And yeah. and then even when we got there, like to the headland at Mulletmore, sometimes, you know, just literally taking it like step by step until you actually ended up out there. And, and for me, it was a way of, yeah, that was my way of coping with it was really staying with the now and the steps and what I could control until that moment I was like, oh, I'm at the end of the toy rope and oh, there's a wave and, you know, <laughs> I think I'll let go now. <laughs> Yeah. And catch it um rather because I, I before that i was just getting really like caught up in like tracking the swell and anticipating the day and uh, yeah and just getting way too caught up in the what ifs yeah. um which again is an interesting kind of mental state and training for you know things that we encounter back on land in our everyday lives of you yeah. know any kind of big event that's coming up and the feelings we hold around it it's like yeah, and people talk about needing to like this let go, be yeah. present. And you're like, yeah, okay, but how do you actually do that? <laughs> yeah. Only, oh, well, a good thing. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 over, it's over, overthinking, isn't it, uh, essentially? Um, and I think that's something, especially in this day and age when everyone's got a computer in their pockets that's always dinging away and things. I think it's very easy to overthink everything you know, why isn't my, why isn't my picture getting enough likes? Why am I not doing this? And I guess that adds an extra pressure for you guys chasing a, a big swell and stuff, because I mean, I don't know now if you've got kind of sponsor obligations, but certainly for a lot of other, you know, pro mm -hmm. circles, like, mm -hmm. not only do you have to go out and do tame this in the yeah. and stuff, you also have to get the perfect shot to send off to whoever needs it, you know? So it's, 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 yeah. and I think in, yeah, in a more, a more and more digital world. I think that's only increasing um, overthinking with us than, um, than yeah. helping us with it. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, so for me, it was about going back to kind of self-connecting and checking in with my why, like, why am I actually doing this and how yeah. is it I want to feel? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm in a constant state of terror or anxiety or, or fear all the time it's probably not my desired state um but it was almost like so it's creating a space to acknowledge those feelings and then a way to sort of almost like not hold them in the body though not not get caught up in in the story around the feeling um and and then the other thing was yeah reconnecting with what it was why i was out there and how i really wanted to feel and it was like that intimacy with the connection of the natural world to feel that kind of sense of raw aliveness to have that moment of encounter yeah. with a wave and trusting that i that will come if 
if it all aligns and I will know that because I will feel it in my body because I've had such a lifelong connection with the sea. So it was almost this process of rebuilding my trust yeah. in, in myself through celebrating my love off the ocean rather than get caught up in the, again, like in the way the society is today of how others would perceive me out there, expectations I would have on myself and, um, and really being quite surprised by how much of that I um, was being um, influenced by and how important it was actually just to go back, almost stripping it back to the basics, right? Of checking in with the, actually, <laughs> and, and then to be open to, if you do that process, then maybe it reveals that I'm not doing this <laughs> for the right reasons. It does not align with how I want to feel and what I value most, you know? So, and that, that also, uh, that was the case in, in some occasions, for example, of getting invited to, um, as it became increasingly popular as a, as a part of the sport, like with the competitions in big wave surfing. Um, and it, the, for me, just being in that kind of environment with the competitive flair on top of it, just was, it wasn't for me at all, yeah, um, which is interesting. But again, it could get caught up in the other narrative of feeling like, oh, well, as a, you know, as a woman and then I should, you know, this, there's an opportunity here and we've been given a platform and I should, you know, yeah, take advantage of it or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or if I'm calling, if I'm calling myself a big wave surfer, then, well, you know, I should be doing these things or I should be riding a bigger wave or, you know, it's, which is all BS really, because that's yeah. not again, going back to why I really want to do it is to feel that sense of aliveness, connection and love. So I'm like, okay, just do those, do the things that make me feel that way and then leave the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think so. I think, it, you know, surfing essentially inherently, it's a very selfish sport. You know, all these water sports we do because you, you, you know, you're essentially by yourself and you're relying on yourself and things, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, and I think, you know, it's really interesting wondering, you know, for you, especially as a, a woman in a very male dominated sport and stuff, I guess, did you feel that kind of, and, and from a place that, you know, it's not like you're Hawaiian or, you know, Australian or anything like that. You're, you're from a place. So did you have that kind of sense of, I've got this on my shoulders and I need to be that woman in Ireland chasing cold waves and stuff. <laughs> and it must be, yeah, there is that certain level of that and actually going, well, I'm not sure I want to do that anymore but did, did, did you have that sense of feeling like you had to do it yeah and I'm not sure how much of it came how much of it was put on me versus how much of it I actually yeah. had created a story of, around it myself you yeah. know but either way it's certainly been influenced by um you know I suppose in the media too they love a story of of difference of you know like and yeah. you're if you're an outlier <laughs> yeah, and yeah. they'll jump on that and it, and it's also great because it is a sign okay well we're, you're breaking new ground and it's really important but at the same time for me it just always felt like I grew up surfing with you know my dad and some of my uncles and the lads and there there wasn't that many girls doing it and so but I'd also, you know, be doing it my whole life. It just felt totally new normal to be hanging out with the lads and going surfing. And then I had my cousin as a support. But I would say, like, it was definitely challenging even to break into something like that in a way because of um, there just being so few women doing it. It means accessing that world becomes harder because you don't have the, you know, 
if you're you know one of the lads you get invited along or included or yeah. it's not that it was like you, you're consciously excluded it's just part of the you know as the only woman it just starts to become a little bit yeah you just it, you just don't get considered in in the mix a lot of the time mm. uh, because that's not your you know social circle and so you, yeah you do kind of get um excluded in that way then and uh, so it was yeah I, I was lucky then that my, my cousin was <laughs> game on <laughs> jumping in together with me and, and having that kind of support, family support. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah. And it's just such a different dynamic. Like even, I mean, it's great to see it changing so much now. Um, but again, it comes back to, I think the, the, you know, the shift in, in surfing and greater equality as well. And definitely around sort of equity around the, prize money and things like that are really important but also acknowledging I think it's also really important to acknowledge that their experience of the sea and surfing is is gendered because it it just it feels different you know in in our bodies and our, our bodies are different <laughs> yeah um and our relationship with it is different and so I, I think there's also real space and it, it's great to see that happening as well for that greater diversity and inclusion of a whole like diverse mix of experiences and it's not obviously not just gender um yeah yeah and and i i guess too I, I, what's been interesting is acknowledging my own sort of kind of surf history and, and lineage and how much that's offered me and then just the story of surfing itself is really interesting as a sport if you think of where you know it are you know the origins of surfing yeah um in ancient Polynesia and Hawaii and you know you have like you know surfing in Hawaii in 400 AD Tahiti before that but basically stand-up surfing was, was um first began in Hawaii and was first documented by you know westerners in the 1700s in the Captain Cook's kind of yeah. uh voyage and their log and but what was interesting to learn for me then about how in terms of how surfing was part of a culture there, it, it was a sport, but it also was really inclusive. Like every, every, every member of society uh, got in the sea. Um, but also I just like recently learned and um, this fantastic book published by um, Lauren Hill called She Surf. So it's kind of more of a, it's a surf history, but like through a, a more female perspective, right. but she does, you know, she documents um, early origins of, of surfing um, in Hawaii and the, and the different sort of role players in that. But what I wanted to say was that the winter months in Hawaii, so you've got like, you know, three, at least you know, three to four months of the year when you have the biggest swells. Yeah. Um, and it was during the, what it was called, I think it's um, still practiced today, the Makahiki Festival, where surfing was really um, prioritized above all else and there was no work and no warfare allowed during the surfing season. Really? <laughs> Uh, yeah surfing was seen as a chance to i suppose as a form of like spiritual cleansing yeah uh that powerful way to you know again to sort of like self-connect and and sort of purify and cleanse yeah. and also the communal aspect and create these community bonds through something like surfing because it's play inherently playful and healthy and it would recharge the batteries and um diffuse any conflict and it's not yeah. just like amazing um mm. So if we could kind of reclaim that as well and bring more of that in empathy and, um, a, you know, sense of it being, uh, yeah, this thing that's just really beneficial for our health. 
into the narrative would be great again to yeah definitely yeah i think i think well you know we discussed just before we hit record as well like the you know the the whole thing about men like you said men perhaps are a bit apprehensive about some some aspects of the mindful part of surfing and things because it is it through certain lenses it potentially can be viewed as a bit feminine and it's all especially potentially for younger men you know talking about oh i you know felt felt so at peace out there and mindful and feeling free and things like do you think do you think there's mm. more of a barrier for men to go and kind of claim that side of surfing than there are for women yeah i like i i find with the research that we've been doing we've been looking at a whole range of kind of nature-based therapies and activities um right. and those ones that are kind of framed as you know a, a sort of a the social prescribing aspect so it's aimed at you know and mental mental health uh recovery from you know mental illness or, or or whatever that the uptake would be far greater for women and it's those activities that are more like health by stealth um attract were much more attractive to men yeah but ultimately the outcomes uh were really beneficial for yeah. mental health for men and women so for example like um with the sea swimming and the organized sea swimming groups um yeah. tended to be a lot more women and then you have something like beach cleans which is like yeah it's gonna go and you know it's sort of a real like proactive kind of thing to do and um it was a really the uptake was really high with your man um among men mm-hmm. and it's again you're at the, the beach setting you're doing something that's like it's actually i suppose it's a feel-good activity you're doing good um doing something good for the environment a sense of give back so you, you feel a sense of fulfillment from that yeah. but it is also is a great way because there was no expectation for anyone to have to like share or talk about themselves it just opens up a space where you're naturally with a bunch of strangers all sharing in this activity together yeah. um that it creates a kind of connection you know that you just otherwise wouldn't get if you sort of would go together like a bunch of strangers going for like even a walk um so it does help open up the space i think um to share um that's just less maybe confrontational or direct um which is really cool and i think the same happens even with with surfing it's really disarming like it kind of you know when you come out of the water it's like you can tell like people like look different (laughs) they're they're like you know brighter like they're almost glowing so it's like you kind of have shed some of the that resistance or you know the social kind of barriers and you are just more open and i think that's to do you know there's research coming out on surf therapy now that's really exciting but in part it's also to do with the environment itself because you know even if you're sitting together on the beach uh talking about maybe your goals for the surf session or afterwards talking about your experience of the surf um it's you're sitting in the sand you're able to like even touch the sand it's really tactile and just helps you stay grounded yeah. and more present and so it's easier to sort of speak and to share and um there are all those kinds of things and then the kind of camaraderie i suppose in when you're in a group in the water in the lineup and getting kind of smashed around by waves and yeah. um there you know yeah there's that aspect too so I think it's really important to have to look at how we create more of those spaces that mm. um, that allow for that kind of openness and sharing without judgment. And I think that's a, like a really common feedback I hear again and again from people who've 
experienced, say, surf therapy in some form or other or, or ocean therapy. And it's just ability or why they're drawn to the sea. And it's this ability to be fully themselves without judgment. It's like, there's no, you never feel like you're being like, a wave is judging you <laughs> yeah, exactly you know ocean just is you know in all its dynamic forms and moods it yeah. can be you know be- beautifully calm and then raging and wild but it's just like it just it's doing its thing you know and yeah um so I, yeah i think i think in in our society looking at ways we do that and i think anything that we take out into nature especially when around mental health is really powerful because it has this kind of effect, calming effect on us. It helps us be more present. You know, our breath slows down. So of course, we're going to be able to share and open up and self-connect more yeah. easily. Yeah, I think it's for for men especially. I guess it's or for for anyone. I guess it's one of those things that it almost happens like uncon- you know, subconsciously. You don't even realize before you know it. Yeah. You know, you're you're yeah, like you said, you're sitting with someone in the lineup or. You're, you're sitting with someone on the, you know, even in a, in a bar having a beer after you've been surfing. And before you know it, you're kind of spilling something that you had been keeping inside for a while. But to have that kind of shared experience with, with someone, I think, you're, you know, it, it does open a door, I think. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing I like about which we kind of touched upon at the start, so maybe to bring it back full circle, is again and you know the different things that make our society toxic and one of them being this relationship with time um and i think with surfing as we alluded to our relationship with time shifts as well because we live by the tides for example and i think what surfing has taught me in any case is the importance of an ebb and a flow yeah you know and it's something i kind of had to you know relearn um as a competitive surfer that it it, and as athletes, I suppose athletes know this, so the recovery period is really important. So if you're constantly right. on and training and pushing, you're going to break, <laughs> you're going yeah. to burn out. And yeah. we're seeing so much burnout in society now that I think the sea and our connection with the sea and, and is really important because it reminds us about those natural cycles, like the tidal flow. There's an, there's an ebb as well as the flow. Um, yeah. And um, you know what I mean? So I think that more cyclical connection to um the world around us is really healthy as well and can really help us when we're you know i suppose cope with that sense of overwhelm like where in our in our day in our week or in our month um are we are we having the the downtime as well as the the peak moments you know so i I think it's basically like where are the spaces between the waves so really also i'm making sure to identify them and value them i guess that's the issue that they're not valued enough by our society because it's considered like as a it's like a non-event <laughs> yeah. well exactly yeah <laughs> it's actually the most important one yeah i think you're right like it's you know and i i'm a i'm a huge advocate for it of like you know you you need you need that downtime and i think it's not it isn't valued enough i think you're right you know people even if you know that the ebb and flow is there and you know that the ebb is a thing it, it still needs to be realized that, that that is 50% of it. If there's an ebb and a flow, you know, there's, there's, there mm-hmm. yeah. the, tide, the, yeah. tide out, the tide goes out just as much as it comes in. Um, yes. Know, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think I'm, you know, I'm very much an advocate of, I call it steering, steering into the skid. You know, if you're, if mm. you're waking up and you're mm. like, my body's tired, I don't know if I can work out. Um, you know, I've worked out the last six days or, even you know, I've been surfing the last six days and the, the, it's all right today. I could go out, but actually just saying, right, do you know what? I'm going to 
sit on the sofa and watch Netflix. I'm going to sit and read my book. I'm going to do, do whatever. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, right. That, that's, and I, I, I came to this personally with a realization recently that my currency isn't money. It's time, you know, <laughs> and, and yeah. I've, as soon as I realized that I've become a considerably happier person. That's, that's okay. Yeah, I've definitely been on that journey too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's honest. Yeah. I just think having yeah. time, time is to me the most important currency. And as long as you like, like yourself, as long as I can make time to do, do the things I really enjoy and still get my work done and whatever, then to me, that's, yes. that's happiness. And I think, if, yeah, yeah. If people can find that balance and find a preferably as well, find a passion, find something that, you know, you love doing. I mean, if you've listened to this, then go surfing. But um, <laughs> that, 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 should be, that should be the passion. Or just go in the sea, whether you're swimming. Even, even, even with the dawn of, have you, have you seen an uptick in, in people learning to surf with things like paddleboarding coming around? Yeah. And, well, actually, Jared, with this whole lockdown and pandemic, it's just been yeah. a surge in people who are moving like, towards water. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that, you know, I'm just hearing stories of even, you know, my friends saying that their parents are taking up sea swimming who like, they just never would have gone in the water because it was like, oh, it's too cold or, you know, loads of reasons mm. why not to go in the water. And then they're discovering it or rediscovering it. And then with surfing, I, with my, my cousin's like surf school, I completely sold out of boards, wetsuits, everything like a few, few weeks into the summer. Um, and I think all of Europe in terms of wetsuit distribution, they, they completely sold out. So <laughs> um, definitely there's a movement happening. Um, and with it, I would hope then it's how do we do that? And I think always in a way that is with that consciousness and awareness and in particular, I suppose my approach is that we have a positive experience with nature and the ocean it helps create that emotional connection and sense of love ergo that we would want to you know have take some responsibility for also caring and giving back so yeah. i think alongside this promoting yeah get out in nature hand in, it goes hand in hand with how also to if we're caring for ourselves how are we caring for nature and the planet and the natural environment but also can be flipped the other way um doing an, like something that's like an act of care for the planet our local environment a beach clean is also caring for our own health you know what i mean so it's and um it's really exciting to see the evidence sort of actually back that up now yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah i bet that must be so exciting but it, you know it is it's true isn't it you you always feel inherently good about yourself when you know that you've done something good you know like you said if you whether it's a beach or even yeah like just picking up a bit of litter on your way to the shop or something like that you always like you kind of get that like, oh, that's my good deed of the day done kind of thing, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's, it's just that I think it's recognizing it's the sense of reciprocity, isn't it? But, and it, okay, it's, it's lovely to obviously have that and see that amongst other humans. And we've seen that, I think, during COVID as well, that kind of revaluing of community and how we support each other um but also this sense of reciprocity with the natural or more than human world um is so so beneficial and in particular i mean because that's something you can access wherever you are and if you are alone or if you're socially isolated or um it's a wonderful connection or, or reconnection to discover um 
and it, that yeah, by having that kind of appreciation for all that the ocean does for us um, can be really yeah fulfilling and certainly make us feel good too. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, it's it's. I mean, I I, I work I work for a company within sustainability as well, and it's you do mm. I do get an enormous sense of satisfaction, and it's not you know it, there's a certain level of like, or are we doing this just to feel good about ourselves? But I think even if you are doing it for that reason it's still a good reason to do it you know and it's still it's still a good thing to do because you you kind of deserve you deserve that and i think often people are far too hard on themselves um and i think that's where a lot of potentially these these kind of mental health problems come from whether it's they're worried about the way other people are going to perceive them or things like that but as you said earlier like the sea doesn't give a shit you know the sea's the sea's not going to do it and i think that's another reason why people are being drawn to it so much yeah absolutely and it's yeah that acknowledging that our actions do have an impact you yeah, know definitely. um and yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> I think that's, yeah well that's another reason why why surfing's so great as well you know things like that because you know i always love windsurfing as well you know you see a guy out with a jet ski or something but it's not quite the same because i know that it's the wind doing it for me or it's the you know i'm literally i'm literally harnessing the wind to make me move you know i'm not uh, yeah I'm not, I'm not filling an engine up or anything like that. And it's the same with a surfboard. You literally, you've got to use your arms and then, and then you're literally using a wave. Um, and that's a, that's a really nice, you know, added connection on top of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Nice. Well, Eski, um, thank you so much for coming on. It's been, yeah. So, yeah. Speak, so... Speaking of tides. <laughs> yeah, no, I, know. I, believe I, the, I believe the tide is turning. I can see you. The sun, is, sun is dropping. Yeah. I can see you itching in your chair. So I'm like, right. Yeah. You, um, yeah, you're, you're off surfing. Um, uh, where can, where can people find, find you um, on, on Instagram? Where can people find um, any of the work you're doing? If people are interested in, in coming. Yeah. Um, so on Instagram, I'm at Eastkey Surf. Um, and I, I post a lot about various, you know, projects and also research around what we've been talking about around oceans and human health and blue health and all of that. Um, so at Eastkey Surf, Twitter and Instagram. And my website is eastkeybritain.com and um yeah and then specifically if you want to find out more i think about ocean and human health there uh, we just completed a, a really a cool project um funded by the european union and the website for that is let me get this right uh, maybe you can put it in the show notes but um is sophie2020.eu so the sophie project um is seas oceans and public health in europe um, so it's it, there's loads of really great sort of resources and information and fact sheets on that link between ocean health and human health right. to be had there. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. Well, guys, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. As you said, you can check Eski out all of those links. Um, if you do enjoy the podcast, if you have liked it, please uh, like, subscribe, share all the usual nonsense. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at the After Hours Lounge. And you can also buy me a coffee via the link in my bio as well. Well, I don't really like coffee, but I do like beer. So if you do like the podcast, you can support it um, by that. Thank you very much, Eski, for coming on. And we will see you Thank guys you. for the next episode.